Good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll get an insect update from provincial entomologist John Gavlosky. Also, Dan Sawatsky with Keystone Potato Producers will give us an update on seeding. Up first in today's country comment, Manitoba Agriculture Minister Blaine Peterson will stop by to talk about yesterday's announcement regarding the Conservation Trust. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Yesterday, the province unveiled over $7 million in new Conservation Trust projects. I got the details from Manitoba Agriculture Minister Blaine Peterson. Our Conservation Trust uh, that we established uh, in 2018, $102 million that we put into a conservation trust. The trust fund is managed by the Winnipeg Foundation and then Manitoba uh, Habitat Heritage Corporation is the entity that, that uh, uh, runs our, tr- our conservation trust program for us. So they had 31 submissions. This was from all across the province on different conservation projects and they uh, picked out 23 projects, 19 different organizations at 23 projects, and uh, for $1.8 million is the uh, trust contribution out of this, and then they have leveraged another $5.4 million out of the private sector, so it's $7.2 million going out to conservation projects all across the province. And there's a wide variety of them, uh, everything from... Uh, pasture range management to water conservation projects. Uh, there is the Pemina Valley Watershed District has a proposal in there, has been accepted on a proposal to do some work along the Pemina River in terms of uh, drought mitigation, flood mitigation, uh, nutrient containment, and then a lot of projects across the province, uh, like I said, in terms of um, pasture management, improving pasture, which is is great for um, both our carbon sink in terms of uh, our conservation uh, work, in and then also too in terms that we're doing shelter belts, and this helps uh, wildlife uh, uh, populations as well as uh, both the cattle and the and the grain industry. Now, this trust, um, how much do you expect this to generate um, annually? Well, it will start out It start out at 1.8, and, and it will continue. Uh, that's just on this. It's $5 million, and it generates annually. And there, uh, we also, besides the Conservation Trust, there's the uh, GROW Trust, which is the Growing Outcomes in Watersheds program, and Heritage, Manitoba Heritage Habitat Corporation right now is doing proposals on that for, and this will go more on the individual farms. And so there's lots of good uh, conservation environmental projects here that, that will be ongoing uh, year after year. And the, uh, the second round for the Conservation Trust and uh, GROW Trust, uh, that'll be, I guess, announced uh, later this year? The GROW Trust will be, we expect the GROW Trust uh, announcement, uh, awards to be announced sometime maybe by the end of June, early July, because as I said, the Manitoba Habitat Heritage Corporation is just reviewing the proposals right now, and then there will be more uh, coming out too for the Conservation Trust. Minister, while I got you on the line here, I just wanted to ask you about the um, 
Agra recovery program and whether the province has um, made a decision on, on whether to participate in that yet. Yes, we we have signed on with the federal government uh, on the agri recovery. This is a beef set aside that Alberta and Saskatchewan have already signed up. We have uh, agreed to do that. The federal government then, so producers, Manitoba producers are eligible for the 60% federal uh, uh, contribution. And I am currently working right now with the federal government on an ability for the province to come up with the money for uh, the provincial share of this. And so we expect uh, some decisions from the federal government very soon. That was Blaine Peterson, Minister of Manitoba Agriculture and Resource Development. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. The first round of Conservation Trust projects for 2020 have been awarded to 19 different organizations. Here's Manitoba Agriculture Minister Blaine Peterson. I am pleased to announce that more than $1.8 million in Conservation Trust funds will flow to year, this year to 23 projects throughout Manitoba. With matching funds of almost $5.4 million, the total value of these projects is more than $7.2 million. The Conservation Trust was established back in 2018 with a $102 million contribution to the Winnipeg Foundation. Two additional trusts, the Grow Trust and the Wetlands Trust, have also been created, bringing Manitoba's total investment to $204 million. The federal government recently announced changes to the Canadian Emergency Business Account. Here's Federal Ag Minister Marie-Claude Bebo. We doubled the number of farmers who are now eligible to the to this account. It could represent, if they were all to apply and all to get uh, the, the $40,000 interest-free uh, loan, including a ten thousand uh, dollars forgivable, it would represent six hundred and seventy million dollars in direct payment uh, for the agriculture sector. Over sixty-seven thousand farms are now eligible for the program, and this week, Minister Bebo spoke with her Mexican and U.S. counterparts as part of continued collaboration during the COVID nineteen pandemic. The three discussed the importance of sustaining uninterrupted food and agriculture trade to ensure food security. The leaders also emphasized their commitment to a smooth and effective transition to the Canada-United States-Mexico Agreement, which enters into force July 1st. And this week's crop report showed that seeding in Manitoba has reached the 65% mark. Dane Fraze is with Manitoba Agriculture. Right now, most producers are focusing on soybeans and canola. Most cereals in most regions are over 50% complete and in some cases nearing 100% done. So we're looking at some of the later season crops or crops that can handle being seeded later into May and into early June and still provide reasonable returns on yield. Frey says emerged crops are looking really good so far. That was a look at today's Farm News. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Friday, May 29th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll get an update on potato planting in Manitoba. Today, we're joined by Dan Sawatsky, manager of Keystone Potato Producers Association, to get an update on spring planting. On the process side, we are basically finished. It's uh, been a little later than normal uh, this year because of the cold, wet conditions. But we are seeing the very first fields planted. We're seeing a wee bit of emergence starting. So, so yeah, we are behind. Uh, I, I would put it uh, seven to ten days behind what we normally would be. 
how many uh, acres did we see go in the ground this year? We're down a little bit from last year. Uh, COVID has, of course, disrupted our markets. So we are guessing. We we really don't know numbers until uh, about a month's time. We'll have better numbers. Uh, we're guessing around 2,000 acres below last year. One of the processors is is up a little bit in in volume and acreage, and the other one is down. Just talk a bit more about uh, COVID-19 and um, just the impact that is uh, having. Well, it certainly had a disruption in the marketplace with restaurants uh, being shut down. Uh, So business was very uncertain. Uh, The processors here, one in particular, uh, did shut down their processing facilities, laid off a number of people. So that disruption uh, ended up having growers hold on to their product longer. And of course, with with that happening, uh, the potential for deterioration in the bins was greater. And uh, so, so yeah, the, the farmers are holding more product uh, than they would have otherwise. Is that having an impact on, uh, I guess, uh, future contracts as well? or? Well, that's why we're down a few thousand acres this year. Uh, certainly the process had to adjust to the marketplace and they contracted less than they were intending to. It'll be a slow reopening here, but, uh, you know, next week we're going to see some of these restaurants reopen. Farmers just hoping thing, uh, things can get back to normal and uh, we can get back to some of the regular volumes here. Or? Yeah, that's uh, certainly there's the, the nervousness uh, with how much to plant. And then, of course, our production is all under contract, so that is... Uh, you know, dictated by what the processors feel the demand will be. So that's uh, the cue that the growers take, and, and hopefully uh, hopefully the demand is there, and, and the potatoes that they grow will have a home next year. Just going back to seeding for uh, for a second here, um, what, what are conditions like in the fields? Uh, what sort of weather are we looking for going forward here? We were certainly glad when the weather turned warm here about two and a half, three weeks back. Uh, that certainly gave... M- more optimism. Uh, farmers were really struggling this spring. Uh, wet conditions, trying to get the crop in. Uh, you know, we're looking for warm weather moving forward. Uh, you know, the right amount of rain. We we did have one one farmer in one area that did have that uh, that uh, hard heavy rain in, in the uh, in, in the Stash area. So hopefully, there's not too much damage. Or lingering damage on, on that uh, producer, but uh, otherwise, no. We're we're hoping for a uh, a good growing season. Growers uh, are are still uh, reeling a little from from the tough falls in the last couple of seasons. So again, we're we're hoping that the season is good and and the fall is is good. So producers can can uh, you know harvest everything that they've they've put their hard work into. That was Dan Sawatsky. He's the manager of the Keystone Potato Producers Association. Continuing on today's Prairie Egg Wire, Glendalee Allen Vossler talks about the importance of water quality with Catherine Lang, a livestock and feed extension specialist with Saskatchewan's Ministry of Agriculture. Water is the most essential nutrient that livestock animals consume. In the wintertime, cattle typically consume 20 to 25 liters of water per day, depending on um, their stage of gestation or 
the water available to them. But then in the summer when it starts to get hot, that number can jump up to like 40 to 50 liters. And in dairy cattle, that can be like well double that. Water quality affects the quite a lot of things, but one of the things that it directly impacts is feed intake. So if they're not drinking enough water, they're not going to be eating enough. So then they're not going to be gaining the weights that they could be. And if they're not drinking enough water when it comes to calving time, they're not going to make the amount of milk that they should be because they're a little dehydrated. Mineral imbalances can happen when you get into water and alternative feeds and that we have to keep a close eye on things like sulfates and nitrates to make sure that we don't enter toxic levels. That being said, it's very important to get our water tested for livestock. Yes, very important. So all of our regional offices with the ministry have a conductivity meter and you can bring water intended for livestock use into the regional offices. We can probe it right there and help you gauge whether your water is good or unusable and send it off to the lab and get a chemical breakdown of what's actually in there and advise use from there. When we're talking about our water, one of the key concerns with it can be sulfates. Yeah, sulfates are a huge concern, especially down here in South Saskatchewan, especially with the past few years of having quite a lot of dry conditions and a lot of evaporations. Lots of the water quantity has decreased, so the concentrations of what's in them has increased. So sulfates in particular are something that lots of producers around here are managing, and we can help them at the ministry decide when water should be used at different stages of production. And there's actually some guidelines to keep in mind here. Yeah, so our provincial guideline for sulfates is a thousand. Anything over a thousand should not be used for livestock. However, that's a little unrealistic with the water quality that we actually have. So when you come in and we can advise, we can potentially work up to the to twice that, to 2,000 milligrams per liter of sulfates if the right precautions are being taken, like a proper mineral source. Now, while we've been talking about sulfur issues, nitrates is also something that producers need to be very aware of. Yeah, nitrates can be kind of sneaky because you may not know you have them. Um, in water, nitrate contamination often happens in wells. Surface water isn't as likely, but wells can be a spot of real concentration. When we get water testing done, we do always test for nitrates. It's one of the standards. And we're looking for less than 100 parts per million of nitrates in that water source. Anything above that is unusable, and anything under that, if it's relatively close, needs to be managed carefully. That's Catherine Lang with the Ministry of Agriculture for Golden West. I'm Glendalee Allen Bossler. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return on Monday on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Verified Beef Production Plus webinars are being held every Tuesday starting at 7 o'clock. You can email verifiedbeefmanitoba at gmail.com. Keystone Agricultural Producers is partnering with Manitoba Agriculture to host a webinar entitled Cultivating Your Way to Burnout. The webinar will focus on fatigue awareness and management for farmers. The webinar takes place June 9th starting at noon. The Manitoba Agricultural Museum near Austin will be reopening its doors to the general public starting today. With reduced hours and new safety measures, follow them on social media for more information. The official Manitoba Hunter Safety Course is available now online. This is endorsed by the province and Manitoba Wildlife Federation. Visit huntercourse.com to register. And the 2020 Manitoba Sheep Association Show and Sale 
has been canceled for this summer. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Friday afternoon, here now is John Gavlosky, entomologist with Manitoba Agriculture, to give us an update on some of the insect concerns that farmers are facing. We're starting to see um, some higher cutworm populations in some fields. Now, it's, with cutworms, it's um, patchy. You know, not all fields are going to have them. Um, but we are starting to see both dingy cutworm, redback cutworm, and even some glassy cutworm in some of the fields. Uh, the first two I mentioned, red-backed and dingy cutworm, they're quite generalists in the way they feed. Uh, so they feed on a lot of different crops. Uh, they both feed above ground. So if you do have them, they're, uh, they're easy enough to kill with insecticides. So we're encouraging growers and agronomists to be out scouting, and especially as uh, crops start emerging, to be uh, looking for cutworms and their potential feeding damage. Uh, the third one I mentioned, glassy cutworm, it is a grass specialist. It um, doesn't like broadleaf crops, so that'll feed on wheat and corn and anything in the grass family. And it feeds primarily below ground, so that one is a trickier one to deal with, should you get it. But it's not one of our more common ones. Um, it's, it's one that we see occasionally, but it's certainly not as common as the red-backed and dingy cutworm. There has been a little bit of spraying. I'm just aware of a few fields. I know there were some peas up in the northwest, and there's a little bit of spraying uh, south of Carmen. Um, so there, there have been some fields sprayed. It's not widespread, but there have been some treated for cutworms. And uh, what are we seeing in, in terms of uh, flea beetles in uh, canola fields? So flea beetles are certainly emerging and quite active, and the reports I've been getting on them vary. Some people saying... They're moving in, they're feeding, but in some cases it's more concentrated around the edges and people are just sort of keeping an eye on things. Uh, for the most part, the seed treatments are doing their job and uh, protecting the plants. And regardless, even with the seed treatments, you do get some feeding because they have to take some bites to ingest the chemical for it to kill them. Uh, there has been a little bit of foliar spraying that I'm aware of. Um, a few people... Uh, who had some uh, canola that got seeded quite early into cool soil, uh, the seed treatments have now ran out, and so they had to treat those fields. My hope for this year, though, is uh, a lot of the canola was seeded later. We did get some good soil moisture shortly after some of it was seeded. Um, if we get that combination of warmer soils, and good soil moisture, sometimes you can get from seeding to that three to four leaf stage with just that seed treatment uh, for protection. It's when we get into situations where that cotyledon stage is delayed because of uh, dry conditions, cool conditions, that the seed treatments run out and we have to start looking at doing potentially foliar sprays. Any other insect issues right now? The only other one we're really uh, keeping a close eye on right now is uh, some people have been uh, sending in photos of grasshopper eggs. So they're in some fields, they're, um, I won't say easy to find, but as people are poking around, they're coming across them. Uh, they're just starting to hatch. Uh, so I did have some photos of very tiny grasshopper nymphs sent to me yesterday. Uh, we're probably anywhere from 0 to 5% hatch 
in most areas of Manitoba. So things are just starting, and they'll certainly pick up over the next couple weeks. So we're just cautioning people, keep an eye on your, your field edges, your ditches, things like that over the next couple weeks. That was John Gavlosky, entomologist with Manitoba Agriculture. Another look at what's happening in the markets is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The province provided an update on pasture regrowth in this week's crop report. Dane Fraze is with Manitoba Agriculture. Pasture regrowth has still been slow to date, but is is quickly uh, speeding up. So pastures, for the most part, are still not able to support cattle uh, for a long term on that pasture, and, and producers might be sacrificing certain pastures uh, and continuing to provide supplemental feed. Cattle producers were certainly hoping for rain on some pastures in order to spur growth. The report notes that overall dugout recharge and water supplies are adequate in the central region. The province has announced the first round of conservation trust projects for 2020. 19 different conservation organizations will receive more than $1.8 million in funds. There will be 23 projects with matching funds of nearly $5.4 million. The total investment is more than $7 million. Here's Manitoba Agriculture Minister Blaine Peterson. The Winnipeg Foundation uh, does the investing and then the money is moved over to the Habitat Heritage Corporation who then decide, takes in the applications and decides who, which projects. They do the analysis of the projects and decide which ones. There was 31 applications that they reviewed. 19 different groups got 20, uh, 23 projects altogether. The Conservation Trust was established back in 2018 with a $102 million contribution to the Winnipeg Foundation. And earlier this week, the federal government announced changes to the Youth Employment and Skills Program. With details, here's Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebo. It doubled in terms of the number of jobs available. This program is really to encourage young people who are interested in the sector, who are looking at it as a career. You know, if you compare it to the Canada summer job, which is, you know, uh, finding a, a summer job, which is not necessarily directly related to your future work, you know, the uh, your, your passion, this program is more uh, dedicated for those who are looking into uh, having a career in the agricultural sector. YESP will provide agriculture employers up to 50% of the cost of hiring a Canadian youth, up to $14,000. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here on Monday starting at 12 noon.